0: welcome to the antioch community church podcast we are a church located in the downtown birmingham area where we desire to be with and like jesus and help others do the same for the glory of god we hope today's message encourages and
1: challenges you Lord from Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. I warn you, as I have warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Father, God, thank you. Um, Lord, we thank you that we can come before you, and um, Lord, that we can... Uh, we can encounter you, Father, because you've made yourself known to us, not only in your word, but through Christ. And your spirit, the very spirit of Christ is with us now, and he's in us by faith. And so, Father, we just thank you, Lord, that we, um, we can be your children, that we can be your adopted sons and daughters. And Father, um, again, Lord, we ask, Lord, just as we sang a few moments ago, Lord, just that our hearts are an open space for you to Come and do whatever you want in our hearts and our lives. So God, as we open your word and as we, uh, we, we lay our hearts before it, we ask for your spirit to, uh, to work in us, um, to move me out of the way and to allow your spirit to, to take the word of God by the spirit of God and do what only you can do in our hearts. You transform us, uh, you make us new, you, you, you turn us into the image of Christ. And so that's what we're praying that you would do now, Father. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'm so glad you guys have joined us uh, today on this great Christian holiday. It actually is. It actually is a Christian holiday. I don't know if you know Is If you, if you Google it, uh, today's actually Reformation Day. So uh, a little over 500 years ago. So I'm going to nerd out for you. Uh, a little over 500 years ago, this was like, this was before Halloween was a thing. This is like... Uh, way back in the day. This was when uh, Martin Luther, you know, kind of infamously started the Reformation by nailing the 95 Theses to the church door. And, uh, and now we have a lot to, uh, to thank to that movement of reclaiming the good news of the Jesus or good news of the gospel, the Jesus. Maybe, maybe someone dressed up as the Jesus today. I don't know. Um, I was hoping I would see a few more costumes out there other than just my, my kids. So I'm a little, a little disappointed um, that no one wanted to mess with me while I was trying to preach up here and, and be dressed like something out there. Um, yeah, we have a lot to thank for that, that movement to say, no, it's, it's, not, um, it's not Jesus plus something. It's, it's Christ alone. It's by like grace alone. And so, uh, so we, are, we are thankful for that. Um, You know, and I'll just, you know, if this is your first time joining us, I want to say we're so glad that you've joined us. And this is really actually only our second week here in this space, and so um, I'm not going to share everything I shared last week, but just briefly, um, if you were here last week, just to kind of recap, you know, how we got here, because it's like, why are we, we were just in a church, you know, this beautiful, amazing church. Why did did we end up in a gym, you know, of all places? So the, the church that we were meeting at had let us meet there for about a year, And as COVID's kind of subsiding, they're now bringing back their evening um, services and so um, gave us plenty of, of advance notice to find a place. And we had a Excel sheet of 30, 40 places, you know, that we were looking at cool places, you know, like music venues and other cool churches and historic theaters, you know, all these just, you know, great places with exposed brick and all this great stuff. And we had it, you know, we had everyone had either a red light a yellow light or a green light. And of all those places, literally only one had a green light as like a, it would kind of work for us and it would work for them and everything was gonna, it could maybe work, that was a green. Um, And this was the only one. And here's the thing, about the, this was maybe two months ago or so, right as we were about to, you know, need to make a decision on where to go and land on, you know, land this plane because our time at third was, was ending, um, I knew this was our only green light, but I was like, Lord, I really, I just don't want, like we started two years ago in a gym. I don't want to go back to a gym. I just feel like it's, it's just weird and it's, it's just weird. I don't know. I don't want to do it. And so I was like, you know, let me go just, let me just try a couple more things. And so I went to uh, Iron City uh, music venue. I figured that maybe, you know, I know they got that big space, but maybe they have like something, you know, like kind of a, like a ballroom or something. And so I went there met with the guy who runs like events and stuff and uh, we're just telling him you know, what we needed. And we were talking and, and he basically was like, yeah, we, just, we don't really have anything that's gonna work. We just have this big space and that's it. And then around the corner comes one of his coworkers and she introduced herself and she's wearing this shirt that says wheelhouse on it. And I said, I mean, because I know there's a wheelhouse salon and it was a girl. So I was like, well, maybe, maybe it's the salon, not the gym. So I asked her, I was like, is, are, is this the salon or is this the gym shirt? And she's like, no, it's, this is the gym. I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's interesting. She said, yeah, I, I used to work out there like a couple years ago, but I haven't, I haven't been in years. I just decided to wear the shirt today. I was like, okay. All right, Jesus. We're going to wheelhouse. <laughs> so, you know, one of the things that I've, you know, I've noticed is just the places that God has taken us. There's always been something or someone, some, something he's wanted to do in the life of our church or some, maybe just one person or a group of people that uh, because of our place, because of our location that he wants to reach an impact. And so... Uh, I, I really confidently feel like God has led us here for this time. So, I really that was worth mentioning, mentioning again. So, today we are continuing in, um, in a series on the fruit of the Spirit. Um, today we are looking at two uh, combined together, kindness and goodness. Uh, one, because they go together thematically. They're both about uh, relational generosity but also because I had an emergency a couple weeks ago on a Saturday night. My daughter, she's fine, thankfully. My daughter, two-year-old daughter, ended up in the ER. Uh, she had some asthma issues and so had to last-minute ask um, the right Reverend Alex Hannes to pinch hit for me and did a phenomenal job. And so we are combining these two, uh, which is not the original plan, but it actually works out, works out well. Um, as, as we see through so much of the New Testament, and as you see just in this slim slice of God's word to us in the fruit of the Spirit, one thing that, that you see is how vitally important our relationships are within the household of faith, but then, just, but then also our relationships, period, with, with anyone. That it's, it's not simply enough to, as James talks about, to say, well, I love God and to hate your brother that actually our vertical relationship with God directly works itself out in our horizontal relationships. You see it over and over and over again that gospel doctrine creates a gospel culture. And that's so much of what we're seeing in the fruit of the spirit, that what the spirit is doing in our lives is, um, the spiritual work is actually very relational. It's actually very practical. And that's what we see with kindness and goodness. Um, it's interesting. There was a, a study by um, Barna, uh, I believe it was, I mean, it was Lifeway. It was Barna or Lifeway. I'm getting too mixed up. But uh, they, they did a study on uh, 18 to 29-year-olds and kind of their trends with the church. And so they polled uh, people between 18 and 29 that said they grew up in church, like they attended church for the most part of their life before turning 18. And uh, of those who said, I no longer attend church, um, of that total group, it was about two and three. So about 66% said, you know, I grew up in the church, but now that I'm between 18 and 29, I no longer go. And the second, well, the first reason is that they went to college, which is kind of innocent. They just moved, you got out of, the habit, out of the habit, basically. And, you know, mommy and daddy aren't, you know, taking you by the hand to go to church, and so you just kind of do your own thing. Innocent, basically. Uh, but the second is that when they grew up in the church, and now they had a chance to decide for themselves They rejected it because of judgmentalism and hypocrisy that they saw. How they were treated or how they saw those who claim the name of Christ live their lives. Um, So it's for so many that have walked away from the church, and I'm sure we all know many people like that. We probably have people in our family like that. Um, It's not always an intellectual thing, like an intellectual doubt. Sometimes it's an emotional doubt that this actually makes a difference in our lives, that it actually can make a difference in my life and in your life uh, to get worked out in, you know, beautiful relationships that Jesus, that Jesus makes possible. So uh, this fruit of the spirit is a very, uh, it's a very live issue. It's a very important thing. Uh, If nothing else, just the witness of Jesus in the world, right? And we can't do it on our own. That's why it's the fruit of the spirit. So we're going to get into that. And so um, we're going to be looking at this in three sections, the first section is uh, simply kindness, just kindness. Second is goodness. And the third section is how the spirit produces both. So kindness, we're going we're to look at that first. Um, goodness, look at that for a moment. And then lastly, how the spirit produces both. All right? So we're going to start with kindness. Kindness. Um, what I want to do is, if you can't see the screen, is remind you that kindness is a part of the fruit of the Spirit. Um, Alex, Hannah said a good job of drawing this out a few weeks ago, talking about fruits. That's a very important thing, that it's not just a, a word that Paul picked kind of out of thin air. This is a, that idea of fruit that it's, you know, fruit grow, you don't just find, you know, an orange that was never attached to, uh, to an orange tree just magically appearing, right? It's connected to a branch, which is connected to a trunk, which has roots in the ground, and so, Whatever is on the inside of that tree, determining that it's an orange tree or an apple tree, that's what works itself out in the fruit that it bears. And so this is getting at this idea that um, the spirit of God is in you to produce, really, the character of Christ. He, the spirit, and, and the spirit is also referred to in other places in the New Testament, as the spirit of Jesus. So the, the very spirit of Jesus is at work in you. To produce the character and the likeness, the way, the person of Christ, through, through you, through your personality, right? We don't lose our individuality, but he's there working um, to bear the life of Christ in you. And again, I, w- I want to note, this has been drawn out throughout the series, but uh, if you pay close attention to this passage that Gloria read for us the whole way through, there's only one command, and that's to walk by the Spirit. That's the command. The fruit, the fruit of the Spirit is a description of what happens as you do that over the course of a lifetime. Just like fruit, it grows gradually, right? It starts as nothing, basically, and then it grows into a little something that you would never want to eat, right? And then, but then it takes time. So that's what happens. It's gradual, but it's also inevitable, right? So I just want to encourage you with that, that you may be thinking, well, I've been following Jesus for I don't know how long, and I feel like I've you know gone back and forth and I'm just in a rut right now, it is inevitable. Like, fruit will grow when it's connected, when it's connected to a healthy tree. And so when you're connected to Christ, it will come. It may be, you know, your timeline may be different than the person next to you, but it will come. So kindness is a part of um, the fruits of the Spirit. There's four things that, that I want to point out to you about the fact that kindness is part of the fruit of a spirit. Um, And then I want to uh, define it for us. Um, The first is this, that the fact that kindness is part of the fruit of the spirit, it tells us that the world doesn't own it. The world doesn't own kindness. I mean, if you just, if you go outside, you're going to see somebody with a bumper sticker that says, be kind. Kindness is very like it's a it's the thing. And if you're not if you're not kind by whatever standards that a person has, then you're canceled. Which is kind of the opposite of what kindness is all about. Right. But we need Jesus for this. Right. I don't want you if you like lean like, you know, everything for you is very, very conservative. Right. And that's fine. Feeling very, very conservative on everything. It it can be easy for you to release your responsibility to bear the fruit of kindness because you think it's of the world. It's liberal. Because the world's always talking about kindness. And actually, I mean, if you study church history, you, you begin to see the West is actually, the West is just basically, it is Christianity without Christ, basically, is what it is. The world did not always care about, you know, widows, orphans, kindness, love. It was, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't a thing until Jesus showed up. Um, so the world doesn't own it. Um, the second thing is that um, if kindness is part of the fruit of the Spirit, then that means it is part of who God is. If this is what externalizes in our lives when we're connected to Christ, that means that it starts within who God is. So this is at the very, you can look at the fruit of the Spirit and that, can, that tells you something about who God is. That, you know, at his core, part of what describes him is he is kind. Um, the third thing is this, is what kindness being a part of the fruit of the Spirit tells us is that small things matter. Because kindness is more, it's less like, you know, heroically rescuing someone from a burning building. And it's more like waiting for someone and holding the door for them. There is a time and a place, right, to do the big thing, to, to show up and to take that on, right? Um, but we don't want to lose that, which, I mean, it's so easy, especially for myself as a Christian, and we, 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 we hear Jesus' call, right, to take the gospel to the nations. And we should. And we want to be about that. But not at the expense of overlooking the small things, right? Which, if we do that, then we undermine the whole thing. The fourth thing that I think kindness being part of the fruit of the Spirit tells us is that kindness is spiritual. To be kind in an interaction with someone is actually to be spiritual. What's so interesting, if you look at the fruit of the Spirit, what the Spirit, when he's when you're walking in step with him, what he produces in your life, what you don't see, nothing around these things, but what you don't see is what you would think. The fruit of the spirit is, oh, like, I I read my Bible a lot. I pray a lot. I go to church a lot. All good things, right? We need those things. But when the spirit is at work in your life, what he produces is not necessarily what we would expect. It's the kind of thing that, like, we kind of want to put on the side and say, well, actually, it doesn't really matter how I interact with other people. As long as I'm interacting with God rightly. But again, James says that that is not, that is not possible. The fruit of the Spirit. I think another way to put it, just, and general, not just kindness, but the whole thing is, it's like this is, you know, all the things that are listed, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are all like the vibe of the Spirit. And sometimes you can't even really put your finger on it. I mean, like, try to define love. You know, it's, it's hard. I mean, you can try and you can get at it, but you kind of just know it when you see it. And same is true with the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. So what is kindness? Um, the biblical picture of it is much like everything else that, you know, we, we might, you know, hope, joy, peace, any of those things that might be talked about, um, in the world, but when you look at the Bible, they're, they're always so much more rooted and, uh, and deeper in meaning. Um, the word kindness carries the idea of being useful, which is interesting, useful or helpful. So this is how, this is how kindness is, is defined when it's used in the Bible. It's being useful by being light when you could be heavy. I want to draw that out a little bit. It's so interesting. So interesting. Jesus, in Matthew 11, one of my favorite passages that I cannot get away from, and that's it has become like our call to worship. I don't know if you've noticed that. We're just going to do it every week, Matthew 11. <laughs> Literally, it's just the same one every week. He says, my yoke is easy. That's the same word used here for kind. My yoke is kind. It's, it touches lightly, is the idea. My yoke, he, it's humane, is the idea. He doesn't rap, you know, you know, a, a choker collar around you like, a, like you might a dog. It's a light um, yoke. So I think that's what this is getting at is, um, you know, the opposite of it being rudeness or harshness. When in an interaction, when someone has said something that was out of line or done something that was out of line and you could bite back, you could respond with harshness or heaviness, that you, by the Spirit, he helps you make the choice to not go that way, which is so interesting that the where, you know, the fruit of the Spirit passage ends is, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Um, and then, let me see now here. Maybe that's the beginning. It's right before, I'm sorry, it's right before, it's the ending of the section before the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.15, leading into this. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. That when we're just walking in the flesh, walking naturally, what ends up happening is, well, you bit me, so I'm gonna bite you. He hit me first, so I'm gonna hit you. And then the Spirit steps in and somehow gives you the like space to let him do something different a different way, kindness, not harshness, not cruelty. And ultimately, you know, kindness is, this is really a part of who God is. This is, this is a big part of how he, in, he engages with people, how he engages with you. Um, Romans 2, 4 says it's kindness, God's kindness that leads to repentance, that he could come down hard and put the choker collar on you. But what he does is instead he's kind. He treats you like a human, But, of course, kindness isn't easy because all of you. That's why. That's why kindness isn't easy for me. That's so why it's not easy for you. Because people, right? Because we, we hurt each other. We harm each other. We are heavy-handed with each other. We are. We can be harsh. Um, it is natural for us to be that way and to not be light when we could be heavy. Um, but see, just imagine, right? Just imagine if... And just take our church, right? Let's just bring it right here to this gym, our body. Um, What if, what if the spirit had his fullness of his way in producing the fruit of kindness in us? Who couldn't resist that? And who couldn't flourish in that? And I think that that is possible. And I think we're on our way. I think, that's, and I think that's what God longs for his body to be, the body of Christ to convey the way of Christ. And that's my prayer, that God would do that in us and that he would continue to grow that in us. So for you, kindness. I don't, I don't know what, you know, threw a lot of things out there kind of at you. Something stuck. You know, something, the Spirit's kind of saying, that, that aspect of kindness, that... Whatever that is, just want you to pay attention to that. I think the Spirit of God likes to help us with the fruit of the Spirit. It's one of His things. The second section is this, moving on to goodness. Um, Goodness, just like in English in the Bible, it is a broad word. I'm sorry to say I don't have this very specific. This is exactly the little thing that it is. Um, It's a very broad word. But I think it can be helpful to kind of pull a couple other words to almost like, um, like connection points uh, to try and locate, you know, what uh, coordinates to locate where goodness is. Um, one of the parallel words of goodness is um, being just or justice. So those, those, those definitely are not opposites, right? But they are different. Being just means, basically, that you give someone exactly what they deserve and nothing more and nothing less. And God is just, and he calls us to be just. But he's not only just, and he doesn't only call us to be just, but to also be good and to have, you know, a layer of goodness in us. And so I think part of having that parallel helps us see is that, unlike being just, being good, there's a, there's a layer of generosity with it. That with justice, this is no, you, you treated me this way, and so eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, this is exactly, I'm gonna respond back. When goodness would say, no, I'm going to give, I'm gonna make room. I'm gonna make room for you. I'm gonna make room for myself, too. That I'm not going to just say, fair, basically. Just do what is Fair. I mean, if we did what was fair in our relationships, right, we would bite and devour, and this church would implode, you know, in a couple weeks. But on the other hand, the opposite, I think, also is a good coordinate point. Um, The opposite would be, can anybody guess? Opposite of good? Sure, yeah, bad. I I was going more Bible, evil. Which is also, it's actually this... Bad and evil has the same word in the original language. So, yeah, you guys, that's great. We did it together. Um, the interesting thing about the word evil um, is it's used often with uh, with this. You see it in the Old Testament, Proverbs. But you also see it in Matthew 6, this idea of an evil eye. Um, in Matthew 6, this idea of an evil eye comes in the portion where it's talking about evil um, you know, not laying up treasures for yourself here on earth Um, and being willing to, you know, give away. But then it talks about having an evil eye as this sense of like, okay, I'm going to give you something. Maybe it's going to look generous, but I'm going to do it begrudgingly. Because almost like with an evil eye, like the one squinted. I'm going to give this to you, but... I don't like this. Connected to that idea is the idea of integrity. That I'm actually going to let my yes be yes and my no be no. That when I, when I act, because it's possible to act generously towards someone, but hate having to do it. And what the Spirit is enabling you to do as he grows the fruit of goodness in you is to be able to Be generous relationally, but then to also want to do it and not begrudge it and hate that you had to do it in the first place. And again, that idea of integrity is, um, that's also, there's kind of that moral aspect to goodness as well. Um, This other sense of goodness being that we're able to be, by the Spirit, um, able to be the same person in public that we are in private. That as well. Which who, you know, who doesn't need help with that? So goodness, I think you can define it like this, is being generous in relationships with integrity. Not doing something good just to get something good back. Not doing something good just to say, oh, wow, that person really has the fruit of the spirit of goodness. You know, wow, like, they really listened to that sermon. But with Integrity. I think that means um, a couple of things. I mean, I think there's two things that that definitely means. There's When the fruit of spirit of, of goodness is, is growing, I think that pushes two things, a lot of things, but I think it pushes two things completely out of the realm of possibility. One of those is gossip. Because gossip is, um, that's like the opposite of integrity, right? To talk well about someone to their face only to have them walk around the corner and be willing to slander them, to undercut them, to cause, to put a question in someone's mind about them, to you know, be nice to you know, just someone's face only. But then also, when we talked about this you know, a couple months ago um, and was convicting for everybody, myself included, is that really there's no room for sarcasm in following Christ. There's plenty of room for irony. I love irony. It's great. But there's no room for sarcasm, right? Irony is like it's raining outside and you see somebody and you say, beautiful day, huh? It's innocent, right? It's funny. It's ironic. Sarcasm is it's a rainy day outside and somebody doesn't have an umbrella and you say, someone's well-prepared, huh? I think that is a outworking of letting your yes be yes and your no be no, saying what you mean and meaning what you say. I think when there is sarcasm, and guys especially, seem to, myself included, love sarcasm, um, that there's actually a more honorable way to live. Well, we don't have to. We don't have to talk like that to another. To be, to have integrity in how we speak. So again, goodness. I don't know, the the Spirit took something there um, and said, pay attention to this. So just put that in the back of your mind. This brings you to the third section. Because ultimately, um, you know, we could talk, the, the sermon could just be, all right, let's pray, amen, and we know we should be kind, we know we should be good. But who of us can actually really, when you look at the biblical picture of what kindness and goodness is, who of us can actually really stand up to that and actually really lives that day in and day out, public and private, um, Definitely not myself. So third is how the Spirit produces both. Because again, the Holy Spirit is in you to make Jesus through you. It's the idea. And the Holy Spirit is like a spotlight, right? You don't just look in the light over here. To look at the light like, oh, it's a great light. No, I don't want to look at that light. It's hurting my eyes right now. But the light's there to show you something. It's like the Holy Spirit. You can get almost too laser focused on the Spirit, and it starts to get a little bit weird, if I'm honest. But when you see that the Spirit is actually there to make Jesus real and present and powerful to you, that's what the Holy Spirit is there to do. Jesus Himself said, I will send you a helper, he will remind you of everything. That I said. The Spirit is, you know, helping, He's there to help you connect to Christ, the heart of Christ, the way of Christ, the person of Christ. And I mean, like this, the fruit of the Spirit is basically, I mean, we could just also say this is like, this is a definition for how Jesus lived His life and what He did. Um, you know when I'm when I'm thinking about this, particularly when you look at those two things together, and it kind of the thread between kindness and goodness is uh, relational generosity, right? Making room for one another. Um, the story of the prodigal son comes to mind, and if you aren't familiar with it, um, it's a great story that Jesus tells to illustrate some difficult but really beautiful and amazing. Points, realities. And basically what Jesus says, he he says there's a father and there's two sons. And they both represent two ways of completely misunderstanding the heart of God. And basically, each of them thinks they get it and the other one doesn't. And all of us can go back and forth between the two. So you've got the younger son who... um, basically tells his father, I wish you were dead because he takes his inheritance before his father dies, goes off into a far country and spends all of his money on prostitution. And then he, he finally comes to himself and he starts rehearsing. He's like, I've got nothing out here. It'd be better for me to go back to my father and just be a hired hand. And so he starts rehearsing this thing that he's going to say. And he's like, I've got these, he's like, I've got to get the wording down so that he will graciously, you know, accept me, bring me back. Not as a son, just as a servant. He doesn't understand that actually the heart of God is to be generous. Is to be kind. Is to be good. The younger son doesn't think he he thinks that, that the father, the picture that picture I was giving us, you think God is is unkind, that He's not willing to make room for you, and so you don't come to Him, or when you do, you you bring the okay sanitized parts of you, but not the real part of you. So He can really begin to do life changing work in you that might actually break through and start yielding some new fruit in your life. And of course, what does the father do? He sees him from a long way off. And he runs to him and stops his rehearsed thing mid-sentence and calls a party and said, my son has returned. And he puts a robe on him. He says, let's kill the fattened calf. They start playing music. Some of you need to, you need to, Allow God to cut you off mid-sentence and stop this rehearsing of the sanitized version of yourself and let him clothe you with his righteousness and stop trying to show God the reason he should approve of you. But then on the other hand, you have the older brother who's been there all along. He never said, you know, I wish you were dead. Dad and ran off and spent all his money on prostitution. He was there working, doing his thing, and then he doesn't even know his brother comes back. But he hears a party. He hears music, and he asks, you know, one of the one of the workers there, what's going on? He says, oh, you know, your brother has returned, and your dad has thrown a party. And it literally says it in Luke 15 that he gets angry. He gets angry because he thinks. I stayed here and never did anything wrong. Where, and then when the father comes out to him, he didn't just leave him out there, he comes to him as well. He's kind to him. He makes room for even the, the Pharisee type, religious type is, is the picture there. It's, it's you if you've been a Christian your whole life or a long time. He says, you never did anything for me. And he says, yeah, but everything I have is yours. It's already yours. Both of them were missing the Father's heart. Both of them were relating to God transactionally, which is what we can naturally do. And here's what happens. When we we interact with God that way, when we haven't allowed him to put a robe on us, throw a feast for us, then it's really hard to do that for other people. It's very difficult to make space for the people when you haven't had that happen to you. So what you need to hear is not leave here and go be kind over in the lobby, but bring your... <laughs> we're supposed to laugh at that. Bring your real self to this relationally generous God who sent his son, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world. He wasn't begrudging about it. This was good. He did it with integrity. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There's goodness and there's kindness in the death of Christ in your place. So will you receive that? Because it's only this coming full circle, right? The Holy Spirit is there to show you Jesus. That's what Jesus has done. This is about, be- it's about believing. That's what we're called to do as fathers of Christ. First and foremost is believe. That's the work that God wants us to do, believe. Everything else flows out of that. If you go after obedience first, you know, you, you don't get belief either. It obscures Jesus. But if you go after belief in Christ and what he's done then everything else gets added in over the course of a lifetime. And the fruit of the Spirit, you know, begins to gradually but surely grow in our lives. So will you, will you allow what the real you, whatever part of your heart in your life that you haven't maybe brought to God because you've been hiding behind this curtain of, Righteousness and religiousness, like the older brother, or because you're too scared to bring the raw, unsanitized version of you to to God. Will you actually believe that your father is kind and is good and has made room for you by pushing his son out of relationship with himself to make room for you? That's how you. That's how you learn kindness. When you've, been, when you've been touched by kindness. That's how you learn goodness when you've been touched by it. And that's my prayer that God would help all of us, myself included, to get close enough to him to catch the vibe of kindness and goodness. Real kindness, real goodness. So what I'm going to do is I want to give us a few moments to just reflect. So, invite you to, if you'd like to close your eyes, bow your head, um, or if you want to journal a little bit, I just want to give maybe two minutes just to reflect and I'll, I'll pray for us and the band will continue leading us in worship. I just want you to prayerfully reflect on this. Do I believe that God has been good and kind to me? Do I actually believe that God has been good and kind to me? We are so glad you joined us today. If you would like to stay connected with us, visit our website at antiochbhm.com, where you can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. If you have any questions about today's message or would like to speak with someone about what was shared today, please email us at info at Go in peace.